You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. You know, as we approach Christmas, what an exciting time of the year. I think that it's important to think about the impact we can have on others. And today, we're going to talk about charitable giving. Um, I'm going to talk about, in the last segment today, I'm going to talk about the impact of giving, the power of giving. And we'll talk about the best ways financially to give. Um However, right now, I have two guests in studio with a, with a very important local organization, and we're going to talk about uh, women in East Tennessee. Since the 1940s, women have been making strides in the workforce, and many make significant financial contributions to their household incomes. Commonly, women are still seen as the primary caregivers and bear the brunt of the household responsibilities. So women are burning the candle at both ends. And you add in poverty or a lack of education, and many women are buried under a mountain that they can't seem to get out from under. As a husband and father to two daughters, um, I am passionate about organizations that support women and women's issues. Joining us this morning is the Women's Fund of East Tennessee. Angela Howard currently serves on the board of directors and Kirby Deal recently joined the Women's Fund as Executive Director after previously serving as the Director of Development and Executive Director at Girls, Inc. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good Thank morning. you for having us. Yeah, great to have you. So, Kirby, talk about your transition from yeah. Girls, Inc. over to the Women's Fund. Absolutely, yeah. So, I started my career, really, in nonprofits with Girls, Inc. Uh, just about eight years ago. Had a fantastic time there and really was able to learn about young women in this community that were needing um, some extra services, needing extra help, women who had um, largely been uh, at some sort of disadvantage. And so uh, in my work at Girls, Inc., uh, I learned about the Women's Fund through our partnership with our Strong Women, Strong Futures Network, which I can talk about a little bit more. Um, but we were at Girls, Inc., we were funded by the Women's Fund. And so learned about board members, learned about their giving, their mission, how they operated as an organization. And then the job came open earlier this year, and I uh, jumped on it, you know, really wanted to be involved with this organization really wanted to grow as a professional and learn more about how we could serve women in East Tennessee. So joined the Women's Fund in June of this year, and it's been a very exciting, crazy six-month period, but I'm very lucky to serve this organization and, and help us grow our impact with nonprofit organizations. Fantastic. Yeah. And Angela, you're a board member. I sure am. Talk about how long have you served on the board and what led to you uh, wanting to become that involved in the Women's Fund? Well, that's a great question. So my mother is from Appalachia, Virginia. Virginia. And when I heard about this organization that served the Appalachian women, I was like, well, I got to check them out. So for four years, I was on their major fundraiser, the luncheon that they do um, in the fall. And after that, they asked me to be on the board. And I was very honored to be on the board and to really 
help steward the the woman's fund, the money, and to actually see the the impact that that our money can help make on these women. And we do it through education. Education is the leveler. And you know, you can give money, you can give clothes, you can give food, but the money that goes toward these organizations that we fund really, really helps them lift up their family, their lives, and you know, our slogan is all every woman sustaining and, and we'd like to see that. And it really starts, it starts now. So yeah, I'm very happy. Yeah. And actually that's a common thread we hear, you know, when I've had the, both the, uh, mayor Ken Cannon and also Glenn Jacobs on talking about the importance of is it starts with the education Mm -hmm. and we're going to, I want to dive into all of those things. Um, let's just kind of look at Tennessee here. More than 40% of women led households in Tennessee live in poverty. Mm -hmm. And that's higher than the national average of 34%. And nearly three quarters of single mothers lack economic security. Mm -hmm. What are some of the reasons that women are more likely to live in poverty versus men? Yeah, one thing we do at the Women's Fund is we really look at the barriers that women face. You know, there are different kinds of barriers. We have institutional, dispositional, situational, all of these different things that are affecting women in a negative way. Um, We talk about dispositional a lot. What are the instances that... Uh, you know, what are the factors that have kind of propelled women women to not be in a self-sustaining fashion? And we as the Women's Fund try to break those down and really serve organizations in a way that they are able to kind of overcome those barriers. So that's what we do with our Strong Women, Strong Futures network. We have a network of 12 nonprofit organizations that are focused on offering post-secondary education access resources to women and girls in East Tennessee so that they can overcome all of those barriers. So it's really important for us as women, you know, we're a board full of strong, independent, uh, forward-thinking women. So it's really important for us to be able to look at those barriers and offer help in the ways that we know that women are needing them. Um, I love that you have those statistics. It's incredibly staggering, I think, when we look at statewide, um, you know, the poverty statistic, there's also the Alice demographic, access limited, income constrained, employed. So it's women who are working. They're often, you know, participating in full time jobs, yet they still don't have the uh, the resources to provide a sufficient living wage for themselves and their family. Um, so it's really important for us to to look at those and and be able to help in the way that uh, that is going to help women become self-sustaining. Yeah, and there's still an earnings gap between mm-hmm. men and women, and we're going to get into that a little bit yeah. later. Um, let's talk about the children. According to the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth, one in five children in Tennessee were living in poverty in 2020. So what are the challenges that children specifically girls in poverty face as they then transition into be into being adults yeah that's a great question i think we uh you know a lot of times when we're talking about young women living in poverty we see that they are more susceptible to becoming involved in relationships that are unhealthy Mm -hmm. um having codependency looking to oftentimes older males to have some sort of comfort, some sort of um, means of living. And and that really kind of disintegrates that self-sustainability piece. And so when we're looking at young women, we want to make sure that they have those skills from an earlier age so that they are able to find 
that comfort in themselves and they're not looking at that at you know outward resources um so that's why it's so important for us to work with these organizations you know we partner with girls inc we partner with boys and girls clubs we partner with ywca um so that they are the ones out there really doing this important work on the ground and really ensuring that girls have those resources and that confidence at an earlier age you know um the statistic i just gave on on children and youth one in five tennessee children were living in poverty was from 2020. Mm -hmm. The pandemic, we're still feeling the huge effects in so many different ways. Um, And was certainly true for women who, despite decades of progress, still bear the brunt of caregiving responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Has there been, even now today at the end of 22, an increased need for assistance over the past few years since the past? How did that evolve with the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're really just starting to see the full effects of what that's going to look like moving forward. You know, the COVID-19 pandemic changed everything. I think particularly for women, we had women leaving the workforce because they couldn't find childcare. You know, we suddenly had young girls who couldn't go to school. They couldn't go to after school programs. They couldn't go to all of these regular things. And women really took the brunt of that. They were the ones who had to stay home and, um, you know, oftentimes leave the workforce, which then reduces your, your income. Um, so I think we're really just starting to see the full effects of what that has looked like. The needs have definitely increased. Um, I think primarily from a mental health standpoint, We now have, uh, you know, tons of women and young girls, particularly, who are experiencing mental health crises that um, probably were on the horizon before. And then were just exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, by the isolation, by all of those different factors. And so our needs have definitely increased. As an organization, we get calls all the time about people, individuals just looking for resources. Where should I go? You know, my daughter is having really negative thoughts about herself. Where should I go? What resources should I look for? So it's it's great that we're able to be here as a resource for those women who are just needing a sort of an extra boost and needing extra and additional resources. We're visiting this morning with Kirby Deal and Angela Howard. They're with the Women's Fund. And, and it, right out of the gate, you, you, t- you mentioned education. Uh, you know, education is oftentimes referred to as the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get to our first break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the importance of a high school diploma versus a college education. We'll talk a little bit more about the pay gap and get into some of those issues. So stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan as we visit with the Women's Fund of East Tennessee here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and we're talking this morning with the Women's Fund of East Tennessee and talking about the opportunities for our young women. Uh, Unfortunately, according to the statistics, as we've talked about in that first segment, there's still quite a bit of people overall living in poverty in Tennessee uh, and certainly is exacerbated with women and with young girls, and that's the, the really the mission and the passion of the Women's Fund of East Tennessee. We have with us Kirby Deal, who is the executive director, and we also have Angela Howard, who is a bo- on the board of, currently serves on the board of directors. And I mentioned educate you br- you brought up Kirby education yeah. in the first segment. You know, it's such a key role in lifting people out of poverty, mm-hmm. especially early on. Um, and as I mentioned there in the first segment, it's often called the great equalizer. Yeah. It can open up doors to jobs, resources, and skills 
that really can help a person not only survive but really thrive. Mm-hmm. How important is a high school diploma versus a college degree in today's world when it comes to, to potential income? We're seeing more and more going into trade schools. Yes. Talk a little bit about how that how that is changing and what we see now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, a, a huge part of what we do at the Women's Fund is really educating young women and girls about kind of those differences in uh, a college degree versus trade school, what post-secondary education is. You know, I certainly grew up in a time when uh, young women, you could only go to college, a four-year degree. That's what you had to have. Um, and while that's great, I loved it. I loved going to a four-year school. Um, but that's not for everyone, you know, but education is for everyone. And that's the biggest piece, making sure that you're furthering your education. Um, I actually was at a, a seminar where Chrissy de Alejandro, who runs uh, the the Tennessee Achieves program, she was talking about you know, there's all this talk about is college appropriate, is education appropriate for people after high school? And she said, everyone benefits from that. There's no one that will not benefit from furthering your education after high school. High school degree degree is incredibly important. Also, that post-secondary education piece is incredibly important. So it, as long as you're you're looking at ways to further your education, that's only going to help you in the long run. So that's what we try to focus on as the Women's Fund with our Strong Women, Strong Futures Network, making sure that girls and women understand post-secondary education options and that they have all of the resources to, uh, to strive towards those and to get, whether it's an associate's degree, whether to get a trade school certificate or a four-year degree, they have all of the resources to do so and accomplish those dreams. Uh, how involved are you all, um, or maybe with local organizations, with young girls? I mean, like I know that, uh, you know, the reading level of a th- by the time you get to the third grade is so critically important for really the rest of your really the rest of your life really i mean so how involved are you with young girls like that or other organizations yeah i would say we're incredibly involved with uh, a younger generation of girls you know i I think a lot of times when we talk about post-secondary education we think oh well you have to look at you know 17 18 19 year olds and, and that's pretty much it but we really know from an organizational standpoint that those conversations start incredibly early the majority of our funded organizations do focus on younger girls and making sure that they start those conversations at a young age um, and that they really have those standing conversations, those appropriate messages shown to them throughout their young adulthood. Um, so we, we're very lucky at the Women's Fund. We, we serve organizations that have a wide variety of age ranges when it comes to women being served. Um, but it's definitely important for us to have that young uh, girl piece where we're serving girls at a young age and making sure that they're exposed to those positive messages, uh, particularly pertaining to post-secondary education starting at a very young age. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we're visiting with the Women's Fund this morning. And unfortunately, there is still a pretty significant earnings gap between women and men. In 2004, women earned about 75 percent of the pay of men for comparable jobs. In 2016, it did climb a little bit. It's up to 81%. Now, I was looking at some data for today, and I see that if the current trends continue, women in Tennessee will not see equal pay until 2054. That's Mm. 32 years Mm. from now. What can we do to speed that up, do you think? Yeah, I think we continue to invest in organizations that specifically focus on girl programming. Um, You know, a lot of times when 
people think about the Women's Fund or organizations like Girls Inc., the YWCA, we we think, well, why do girls need um, extra services? You know, why are we focusing on girl-only programming? And from an organizational standpoint, we understand that girls often face a different set of circumstances that put them behind in a lot of ways, looking at the the pay gap as one of those. Um, so by continuing to invest our dollars, our resources, our knowledge and education into these programs that are advocating for women, that are teaching girls at a young age how to be confident in themselves, how to feel empowered, um, that's really where we're going to see the biggest difference. So I would say by continuing uh, to really put emphasis on those organizations and make sure that they have the resources that they need to continue to serve girls and women. Yeah, no, and it is very important to specifically serve women and girls, I think. I mean, when we look at the th- big three things here, economic self-sufficiency for women, mm-hmm. prevention of violence yeah. against mm-hmm. women and girls, and you talked about codependency yeah. and looking for older men and, and that that can lead to some problems, and then the promotion of health, well-being, and talent of women and girls. Mm. So very, very important. Uh, Angela, um, the Women's Fund focuses a lot on advocacy, mm-hmm. and I know many people are unable to advocate for themselves. Why is it so important for some of us and some of for the people that volunteer to step in and fill that advocacy role? Well, women, you've already built up the whole foundation of why they need why they need some help. But, you know, Tennessee, and I don't have the stats like you do, but Tennessee is one of the top states for women trafficking because the 75 and the 40 meet here, right? So we're a trucking mecca, and these girls are loaded in these trucks and moved around. Yeah, but, growing up, I remember hearing a lot about that with drugs, yeah. but now, unfortunately, you hear a lot about it with the human trafficking. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, well, and and our economy, as it kind of slides a little bit, people are trying to make more money, and and I guess it's just the rise in in the um, ability to transport the women. Now, violence. Violence is something that is a a big topic in especially East Tennessee where we serve. Because of the Appalachian culture, um, the women were never given a chance or even a role model to break out of that culture that says, and we don't like to say this, but I'm going to say it, don't get above your raising. So one of the things we do is support the families in changing the narrative because you can help a kid get to college, but if their family's like, no, 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 come back home, we need you here, or why are you doing that, or do anything to take that out from underneath them, we've got to support these girls with the the holistic support around them getting an education you know the things that Kirby had mentioned about confidence um that's a huge huge part you talk about the disparage in, in um in the gap in the economics between men and women um confidence confidence is a big 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 role in that but you've asked me about advocacy so i gave you my um non-statistical <laughs> okay. um, you know uh um statistics about the human trafficking and the the violence and we've got a really pretty high percentage here for this state and so yes we need advocacy and um we are a stand for that for changing some of the laws around it now when we talk about and you've both mentioned violence and abuse Mm -hmm. and unfortunately poverty and abuse oftentimes go hand Mm -hmm. in hand across the board the state of tennessee suffers from higher than average domestic violence rates right according to the national coalition against domestic violence 
40% of women experience intimate partner violence in their lifetimes, which is just a crazy bad stat. Mm-hmm. The national average is 33. That's bad enough. Tennessee is 40. So what are some of the resources in our area for women and children who are trying to escape the cycle of abuse? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there are... Uh, we're very lucky as a community that despite those really terrifying um, statistics, we do have a lot of resources. We we support the YWCA. They're a huge uh, proponent of, um, you know, ensuring that women have accesses to or access to uh, safe housing, um, different needs in terms of clothing, all of these different resources that women who are leaving um, abusive or harmful circumstances might need right off the bat. So the YWCA is an incredible resource. They do amazing work, um, and we're very happy and lucky as the Women's Fund to be able to support them and have them be a part of our Strong Women, Strong Futures Network. Um, also, the Restoration House, they do incredible work with making sure um, that, you know, the same thing, women have access to resources that they need um, because you know a lot of times these women are leaving these abusive relationships or homes and they have nothing you know they leave literally just to get away from violence and they can't take their belongings they have no access to financial resources they don't have a bank account um, they oftentimes have nothing to their name and they just need somewhere to go and that's what um, our nonprofit community does so well is they take these women these people who have experienced this abuse and they treat them with dignity and respect and they give them um, a, a place to start building a foundation of their own. Um, so those are just two really incredible resources that people can go to if they're needing some extra help. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, so the, the Women's Fund, you know, you've been involved, you're involved with so many other local organizations mm-hmm. that are helping support women and girls. I know when I talk about choosing organizations to become charitably involved with, we talk, yeah. I talk about several things. One would be, uh, you know, the impact they're making now and also that their continued impact in the future is important too i mm-hmm. think i think of transparency yeah i think of fiscal responsibility absolutely so talk about how you all decide where you invest the most in other organizations yeah that's a great question so we have a different so we're primarily a grant making organization that's how we support our nonprofit partners through uh three-year grant commitments um and we have a bit of a, a different take on our grant making than um, many traditional foundations. So we have what we call, I've mentioned it, our Strong Women, Strong Futures Network. So along with receiving financial grants throughout the year, our nonprofit partners also come together through uh, quarterly network convenings where they um, have you know, seminars on different scholarships that their clients can apply for. They can come together and brainstorm about new programs, things of that nature. So our network is incredibly important to the work that we do as an organization. And uh, our board and our network building and grant making committee specifically have gone through an incredibly intricate vetting process for these nonprofit partners. Um, You know, we we didn't just kind of go out and, oh, here's some money, here's some money, here's some money. Um, but um, we really took into account how these nonprofits can work together in order to create the biggest impact across East Tennessee. As an organization, the Women's Fund serves 25 counties. And so we want to make sure that these nonprofit partners have a scope that's allowing us to have a hand in each of those counties, but also, um, like I said, working together to ensure that we have the biggest impact across that region. Um, so all of the things you mentioned, financial security, 
uh, sustainability, impact, transparency. Those are all things that uh, that we fully believe that our nonprofit partners have, um, and we're very proud to be able to help them in the way that we do. Yeah, so I hear a couple of big things there. I hear a lot about impact, and mm-hmm. I hear a lot about synergy. Yeah. Absolutely. Amongst other organizations, yes. right? Yeah. We're visiting with the Women's Fund of East Tennessee. This is More Living with Jim Brogan. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the great things the Women's Fund is doing in the coming year and how you maybe can get involved. In our final segment, I'll talk about the power of giving and the financial incentives we're given from IRS and how to take advantage of those things when we give charitably. Stay with us. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. As you listen to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, I have to tell you, I think one of the greatest ways to live your best life is to give to others that are less fortunate. We get so many blessings back uh, when we pour into other people. And I just think, and, and I'll talk about the power of giving in the last segment, but I just think it's so critically important. We have a, a society here in the United States that is just so indulgent in a way and just just immersed in so much materialism. And we know there's no happiness in that. And I think if we can, when we can get outside of ourselves and invest in others with our time and our money and our resources uh, that are less fortunate, uh, it's very, very powerful in the impact you can make. And then also, of course, the way it even blesses your own life. Uh, so we, we're visiting this morning with the Women's Fund of East Tennessee. We have Kirby Deal here. She is the executive director. We also have Angela Howard. She's a board member. And, Kirby, you used to work for Girls, Inc. We talked about that in the first yeah. segment, segment, an organization that mentors young girls mm-hmm. and works to help all girls reach their potential. What kind of changes did you see in the girls that had that support at younger ages that helped to prevent education and economic disparities? Yeah, that's... Uh... So many memories just like flooded back when you asked that question. Um, but it, it's really incredible the transformation that you can see when you have a young girl who starts with a program like Girls Inc. at such a young age, and then you're able to really follow her along her journey. Um, I originally started my work at Girls Inc. as a part time program facilitator. I worked in the middle school classroom um, every day doing different activities with with the girls, and it was such an eye opening thing to even just see, you know, these young girls for. I did that job for maybe about a year. And then, um, you know, now they're getting to a point where they're graduating college and they're starting their uh, jobs, you know, and it's just so incredible to see what these organizations are able to do by providing constant um, resources, but also constant comfort and, and, um, you know, just a happiness to young girls who may be don't have that at home or maybe don't have that in other aspects of their lives, but they're able to come to these programs every single day, see caring, trusted mentors and people who are truly there for the betterment of their life. And um, so it's just incredibly impactful what these nonprofit organizations are able to do um, just from seeing girls, you know, one to two hours a day, but by, by providing that um, that consistency, they're really able to make a, an incredible difference in the lives of young women. 
Angela, the Women's Fund hosts several events throughout the year. Talk about some of the upcoming events in 2023. Well, our major event that we have every year is the luncheon, and I believe it's going to be in September. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to be at the help me out. We're we're uh, choosing between two venues oh, right yeah, now, we but most know. likely downtown Knoxville. That's, yeah, yes, yeah. that's why I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, this has been our biggest fundraiser, and it, we have been doing that for eleven years. So this will be our twelfth year, and so that funds all of our operations, and it keeps the Women's Fund itself alive. All the rest of the money that we make, legacy um, dinners, and I'll tell you one thing that's really great, and this is something I do want um, the listeners to know, is in these 25 different counties, we would love to be invited up into a home and talk about Women's Fund. Um, It's a great way, woman to woman, we can have tea, we can do whatever, but to find out the impact that we're making in their particular county, um, and those end up becoming fundraisers but it's not like that's a fundraiser but the money for those and the money that goes into our endowment and Kirby was talking about this our endowment is what funds the sustainability our endowment is what funds the 12 network organizations so that money or any money that people want to earmark say toward the end of the year um, you're going to talk about giving and the giving back and how it really, really warms your heart to see what you can do, your impact on the young women here in East Tennessee. The The endowment is the place because that's the sustainability. If we want women to be sustainable, we need to have our mm-hmm. funding sustainable. Yep. So we're, we're really living the model. So those are the way we raise funds. Yeah, endowments uh, really are what ensure long-term viability, Absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, people in East Tennessee, when we look at charitable giving, it's a way to give to organizations that we're passionate about. And there are some financial benefits to charitable giving, uh, but the intrinsic part of giving is so much more powerful. What are some of the reasons you think people want to help others in our community? I think we, as individuals, we all experience hardship. You know, we all go through different things, whether we come from affluent backgrounds, whether we, uh, you know, whether we haven't, whether we've grown up in poverty, we've all experienced different things. And I think at some point you get to a point in your life where you start to think about your experience growing up. You start to think about the things that you've been through. And there's often, you know, what I've experienced with individuals is that you have this kind of pull to make sure that there are young people in your life or um, people that that don't go through those things. Because a lot of times there, you know, a lot of these hardships that you go through, I think we feel we shouldn't have to. You know, there are, there are different things that could be put in place. There are laws, there are um, organizations, whatever it may be, that are put into place to help people not experience the same thing that you did. And so I think there's a a sense of wanting to uh, just really be that individual that's doing what you can in order to make sure that whether it be young girls, young men, whatever it is, that they're not going through the same things that you went through that are oftentimes preventable. And so it's really important, uh, you know, I think as as a grown adult to look at the ways that you can be helpful in your community and really ensure that you're giving back. So I want to add a little something to that because women tend to be natural caregivers, mm-hmm. like you were saying, and we're we're about being compassionate and all-inclusive. And I think any woman at any stage in her life to look and see another person, it doesn't have to be a woman, suffering, mm-hmm. it, it just evokes something inside. It's like, what can I do? What can I do yeah. just to help them out even a little bit? And what I've noticed in the nonprofit world 
the people that have the less money, believe mm-hmm. it or not, the ones that have a, a tighter budget are more willing to give than some of the, mm-hmm. the wealthier people. I mean, I'm just telling you, I've been working in nonprofits for 12 years now. And it's it's interesting because, like Kirby said, they don't want them to go through what they went through. But also, it's just that compassion mm-hmm. and that Definitely. and that need yeah, compassion is a great word. Yeah. yeah. That, mm-hmm. In terms of um, the economic implications mm-hmm. on your organization, I mean, you know, we had the pandemic in 2020. We've got the worst inflation we've had in 40 years yeah. probably the most widely referenced resource for for data on charitable giving is giving usa mm-hmm. which is the annual report on philanthropy and the record is clear in 2020 the year of the pandemic it was a record giving and generosity year as mm-hmm. americans jumped into action following the onset of the pandemic and calls for racial justice now then this year the data shows that while giving is up due to inflation, it's really kind of lagging. And this is actually very important for us to realize when we look at inflation. I was looking at mm-hmm. some data this week, late in the week on the economy and looking at Christmas spending and, you know, wh- what's going on is it's like up up 4% from last year, cr- yeah. year's Christmas. Well, that is actually a lag in spending because of inflation. Right. So people really weren't spending as much if you look at relative to inflation. Mm. So we have this high inflation. Charitable giving, while it looks like it's up, it's not up as much as inflation. So mm-hmm. how has that had an impact on your ability to make impact? Yeah, we um, you know, we're primarily an organization that most of our fundraising is done through individual giving. You know, a lot of times with nonprofits, you have um, varied revenue streams, whether it be special events, grants, um, all of those different things. And because of the way we're set up as an organization, most of our fundraising does come through charitable giving. Um, And, you know, honestly, like we've still seen an incredible amount of generosity. Like I, I think because of what we do, and I think because of it's such a niche, um, kind of uh, impact with um, specifically working towards breaking down those barriers for women. I think we see the importance in that and our community sees the importance in that. And so there's definitely been times where, uh, you know, things like our special event, like because of inflation, our costs were more and, you know, things of that nature. And so we've definitely seen the impact of that. But uh, I want to reiterate our individual givers have just been incredibly generous throughout this entire process and specifically this so year. 2022 has been fine for y'all and you really the organizations you support. Yes. And yeah. I bring that up because a hundred dollars, you know, last year to provide $100 of, of support to right. the YWCA, yeah. they need 107 to 108 this year yes. to be able to have mm-hmm. the same kind of impact. Exactly. And that's why it's so important for us as an organization to have that sustainability factor with our endowment, because we can still continue to give those funds. You know, we can look at whether we need to give an increase. We can look at whether there's a special program that we need to fund, um, and we can continue to give those grants that, uh, you know, maybe need to go a little bit farther in these years with the inflation as uh, as previous years uh, how can people find out more about women's fund and either donate to the organization or get involved with their time yeah absolutely so we have um, obviously a website womensfundetn.org that really has all of the resources that you'll need to learn about our organization we have our funded partners listed on there um, we have information about our strong women strong futures network um, as well as ways to donate so there's a donate tab on there um, and it allows you to give your dollars if you want to earmark them towards a 
a specific thing like the endowment that Angela mentioned. Um, you can just put endowment, you can put operations, whatever it is that you feel led to give to. Um, you can just mark it in that donation page and uh, go about it that way. Um, if people are wanting to learn more about our uh, our different advocacy, advocacy uh, platforms, things of that nature, they're welcome to email me. My email is listed on the website, uh, I think in like five or six different places. So you should be able to find it very easily. And uh, we love getting individuals who are interested in hearing about advocacy, interested in serving on maybe development committees, luncheon committees, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, so we would love to have any interest. Uh, just reach out to me directly. Yeah, and I just want to mention both of those things are so important. Mm-hmm. It's important. Financial giving is incredibly important. Yep. But giving our time and is so important as well. So and oftentimes... That's what blesses us and enriches us the Mm -hmm. most. So they're both very, very important. Well, Women's Fund of East Tennessee, Angela Howard, who's on the board of directors, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Loved being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Kirby Deal, executive director of the Women's Fund of East Tennessee, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. It's great to have you all with us. Again, that's the Women's Fund of East Tennessee. You can find out more at Women's Fund ETN. Correct.org. Yes. Okay, when we come back, we're going to have our dollars and cents segment. I'm going to talk about the power of giving, and then we're going to talk about how to take advantage of financial incentives, especially tax incentives when we give financially. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. As we've been talking about charitable giving and philanthropy, the Women's Fund of East Tennessee, and all the great things that they do uh, for women and girls here in East Tennessee. Again, you can find out more at Women's Fund ETN.org. It is time now for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. The power of giving. And I think that's such an critically important thing. Really, this should be part of your financial plan is the power of giving because it helps us. You know, it's not about the money. Uh, you know, they asked J.D. Rockefeller how much money's enough, and he said a little bit more. So it's never enough. So when we get out of our sales and give to other things, it really changes our perspective on money and life balance. And that's something we see consistently, especially in younger people, Uh, is balancing all of that. But I think we all deal with that. You know, Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I just think that is so true. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8, when we talk about the power of giving that's referenced in the Bible, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly 
so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And that's where I talked earlier about the, the blessings we get back from giving. So I just think it's a critical part of a financial plan. I think this is a great time of year to be discussing that as we as we head into the week before Christmas uh, to just kind of talk about the impact we can have. Now, I do want to give some tips. How can we make the most of our gifts when we make financial gifts? We talked earlier in the show about picking charitable organizations, things like transparency and impact, sustainability, fiscal responsibility. What about the benefits the IRS provides for us? You know, when Congress wrote the Internal Revenue Code, they give us they give us incentives. They they, they kind of are saying we understand that, that for the most part charitable organizations can be more efficient with our money than the government can. So we're going to give tax incentives to give charitably. So I want to mention a couple of big things in terms of how you can make not only a, an impact for charity, but how can you also save on your taxes? Because we have that incentive. Uh, now, one is if you're over age 70 and a half, and this is certainly if you're 72 or older, you absolutely should be looking at doing qualified charitable distributions where you give directly from your IRA to the charity, and it is not a taxable distribution. You can do that once you turn 70 and a half. And it does come out of your IRA non-taxable, but 72 is when we have to start taking those RMDs and pay tax on them. Well, if you have some money from your RMD given directly to the charity, it comes straight off of your taxable income. You know, if we look at the most powerful ways financially to give to impact our own taxes, if we can give assets that we haven't paid taxes on to begin with, that's even better. You know, if I give $100 from my bank account, I've already paid tax on that $100. But if I give $100 from my IRA, it's really not worth 100 to me because I have to pay the income tax first. If I'm in a 24% tax bracket, that's only worth $76 to me. But it is worth 100 to the charity. So we kind of bypass IRS altogether. The other option that, that can be very powerful giving assets that you haven't paid taxes on yet is appreciated assets like stocks or mutual funds or ETFs. You know, if you've invested $10,000 in a stock and it's worth $20,000, if you give that stock to charity, not only do you get the tax deduction, you also don't have to pay the long-term capital gains tax on the $10,000 of growth. So you get a double whammy. You avoid the tax. And you get a tax deduction. Powerful. Now, long-term gains when we sell a stock are more friendly to us tax-wise than ordinary income on an IRA distribution. So a good financial plan's got to consider what's the most tax-efficient thing to do if you're 72 or older. But the bottom line is there are a lot of great ways that we can give to organizations financially that can make tremendous impact that can also help us have more money to keep and pay less in taxes. So charitable giving and the power of giving is a basic part of a financial plan. That's our dollars and cents segment for this week. You can find this week's dollars and cents segment and others by visiting broganfinancial.com. 
Thank you for tuning in this week. We've discussed the power of giving and how we impact community. We've also visited with the Women's Fund of East Tennessee and all the great things they're doing for East Tennessee women and girls because a greater community provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Many thanks to Chris engineering the show. Many thanks to Jill producing the show. And thank you to our guest from the Women's Fund of East Tennessee. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on the News and Talk of East Tennessee, News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.